Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 to 13, which read, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Amen. Uh, greetings from uh, California. Actually, we came out for a family wedding. So you can look at the hotel room decor. Um, hopefully, uh, the Wi-Fi will hold up. I paid $4.95 extra to have enhanced Wi-Fi. So uh, I really am thankful that I can be with you. Uh, yay, technology. Uh, today is the uh, third installment of a four-part message uh, on the uh, topic of reforming habits. And the term reforming refers uh, both to the rediscovery of old good habits and the development of new uh, helpful habits, uh, spiritual habits. Uh, so from Romans 12, uh, we've been examining what Paul says about regular disciplines and habits that bolster the Christian life to make it more fruitful and joyful. Uh, we first considered how to reform habits relating to the worship of God, and that just beyond the Sunday experience. Uh, last week, we spent time looking at interdependence amongst the members of the body of Christ, and I really appreciate what Marge said and what Peter said kind of uh, remembering, recalling, uh, re-committing uh, uh, to uh, what the Word of God said uh, through those uh, messages. Today's uh, thematic mainstay uh, will be more about an kind of overall tenor or uh, intensity level, intensity level uh, to these habits which support our relationship with God and with brothers and sisters um, in our scriptural passage, which uh, Jabin so eloquently read, uh, Paul emphasizes, in my mind, zeal. Zeal. Uh, to him, it's a key aspect of this kind of Christian praxis. Zeal in our reverent service to God. Zeal in our loving service to others. Uh, without zeal, uh, our habits may not endure for long or help us very much. Uh, so my title uh, is uh, rather plain today, Reforming Our Habits, Zeal. We need zeal. Uh, we can express this zeal in various ways. Uh, in our verses, Paul uses synonymous terms such as sincerity, devotion, fervor. And if we were to expand uh, out the to the entire chapter, additional concepts such as wholeheartedness, like the offering, right? Uh, living sacrifices, totality, uh, these also uh, come into view. Uh, zeal not only lengthens and strengthens the Christian life, um, it makes it exciting and enjoyable. Uh, think back uh, about times in uh, your life when you were zealous uh, for a person, a cause or an object. Desire, that was so strong. Um, effort, uh, it came uh, effortlessly. Uh, commitment was rock solid. Uh, didn't you experience uplift and a, a kind of tirelessness that went beyond the commonplace? Uh, do you feel that with anything at the present time? Do we feel that towards uh, our 
walk with God or walk with others. Zeal is an interesting concept to me, at least in a Christian sense. Uh, in, it invites reflection from a number of perspectival angles. Uh, first, we can examine the person exercising the zeal, right? The zealot, uh, you might say. Uh, zeal can say a lot uh, about the person who engages in it, uh, just as a lack of zeal uh, can also be telling. So the person who is being zealous. Second, we could talk about the object of zeal, right? What is it that so engages, fascinates, and even dominates the zealous person, right? You know, Christian zeal uh, in particular, it, it, it's supposed to take care, it's supposed to care about what the object of our passion is. We're not just supposed to be excitable and feverish about everything, right? There are certain things that you know, we should really be dedicated to. Right. People can get into all kinds of interests, hobbies, and topics. Uh, sometimes misdirected zeal can detract from higher priorities. Uh, and then the third angle uh, is about the, the manner of the zeal itself. What does the zeal actually look like? What are the concrete um, uh, aspects of it? You know, what, what is done, what is not done, what is said, what is not said? What, what, how does it, what does it look like? So, I think the manifested form of zeal provides opportunity for us to ponder motives, values, and much more. So I wanna, uh, uh, purposes of sermonic uh, organization, I wanna reflect on Christian zeal through these, what I'm calling facets, as revealed or articulated by Paul in Romans 12, nine to 13. Now, they're a little bit different from the, you know, the one I, the stuff I just presented, right? I kind of wanted to follow the order but I think Paul addresses them in the passage. So first, we're going to talk from verses 9 and 10 about the manner of zeal. What does a zeal look like? And, and especially, Paul seems to zero in on sincerity. Love must be sincere. We'll talk uh, quite a bit about that. Next, our second section will be about service to God, right? What our goal should be, what this is all about, what, what really warrants and deserves, even demands this kind of zealous output. The object of zeal is serving God. And then finishing with the zealot, the person, what, what does it say uh, uh, about what's really going on in the person who is zealous, right? And I you know, picked the word heartfelt. I really thought that was what I'm trying to say, that zeal is a matter of the heart. It's, it's really bubbling and boiling in, in, from the heart. And if you have heart, that says uh, uh, amazing things, uh, great things about the, the you, the zealous person. And I made up the word heartfeltness <laughs> for this purpose. Okay, I hope overall this topic can speak to our current situation. I believe it does. It seems that the pandemic has drained people, myself included, of many a zealous drive uh, to serve the Lord to serve others, even live kind of a, an impactful or, or consequential life. The quarantine has so restricted our freedom, uh, dashing numerous plans and pursuits, and has made even the simplest things five times harder to carry out. The lack of regular interaction with others has, I think, turned me insular, like kind of into myself, often uh, like leaving me to my self uh, absorption. And it's hard to get passionate uh, about something grand and luminous, right? When I'm constantly twisting and churning in my head, 
about my own woes, my own uh, dilemmas. Uh, it reminded me this week of a, a passage from Tolkien, uh, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, about the monstrous uh, spider Shelob. You remember the one who, you know, poisons uh, uh, Frodo and then fights, uh, Sam has to fight uh, Shelob. Uh, she lurked and prayed uh, upon the passageways to Sirith Ungol from earliest memories. Uh, it wasn't only her predator prowess as a giant spider that made her so beastly, but her uh, reclusive cunning and scheming. She was always like, you know, thinking about things, how to attack, how to eat, how to uh, deceive, right? And indeed, it's her private like machinations which uh, made her all the more hideous. And after she's uh, injured and vanquished by the zealous Sam, who finds heroic strength to rescue Frodo, a Tolkien observes this. Shelob was gone, and whether she le uh, lay long in her lair, nursing her malice and her misery, and in slow years of darkness healed herself from within, rebuilding her clustered eyes, until with hunger like death she spun once more her dreadful snares in the glens of the mountains of shadow, this tale does not tell. That, that, the, the, there's a lot of great phrases there, but malice and misery. Uh, <laughs> that's what I think the pandemic sometimes, uh, or at least for me, it, it kind of, you know, you know, uh, landed in, in those cesspools and stuff. So I'm feeling the need, right? Maybe you are too, to be captivated once again by the gospel's potent call to something higher, brighter, nobler, uh, even glorious. I'm pining for a reformed zealotry in my heart and in us, right? Pandemic notwithstanding. No matter what is happening in, in me or around us, our zeal for the Lord. Uh, should not flag. Uh, even if we don't see the results, God is still pleased. He wants our zeal. He desires our ardor, uh, and he wants our eagerness to glorify him. So uh, with that kind of in, in the backdrop, let's uh, start with, uh, commence with our first facet, the manner of zeal uh, by considering Paul's exhortation towards sincerity. Uh, love must be sincere, he writes bluntly in verse 9. Fake love is not real love. Obligatory or involuntary love is by definition not love. Love must be free and generated by the lover. Coercion, contractual necessity, impure expectations uh, are not true. Love, um, love that just goes through the motions would fall short of Paul's description. Love with ulterior motives would certainly be suspect. Uh, love requires truth. Uh, without truth, love can degrade into just a sentimentality or a mere routine. You know, we can label it love all we want. A person may uh, believe that they are acting in love because they're going through similar or identical activity. We can try to convince ourselves that our action or inaction is loving, but love must be sincere, period. Um, and it's in, in these contexts uh, where love is uh, perhaps expected to be the strongest or the most evident, there lurks the great danger that love can actually stray away from this sincere core. You know, we all know that we have different qualities or gradations to the way we relate to people. Uh, you know, we are typically guarded with strangers. We don't say much. We don't reveal much. But as we get to know people better, we might invest in them more. We may start to risk sharing more personal or deeper things. 
about ourselves, but we usually are more, you know, deliberate. We kind of, uh, 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 we know what, what, what we're measured. And, and, and insincerity may creep in, but I think, I think we recognize it, right? We don't try to pass it off as, as something else, right? We don't say, oh, I'm really dedicated to you when we're not. But when we uh, find ourselves in what I'm calling the big love situations, right? marriage, family, uh, or, or church, I think there's this tendency uh, to take these relationships for granted. Like, you know, we worked hard maybe to build them up, but then, you know, we don't keep up the, the, the zealousness, right? We, we stop working on growing the relationship, kind of go on autopilot. We just let it coast. And then things become more formal, more habitual in the static sense, right? Status quo as to being dynamic and, and, and growing. And then, uh, you know, if we think, oh, if, am I really loving this person or not? We tend to kind of, you know, do mental gymnastics to consider ourselves that, hey, maybe it's okay. I, I, I am keeping it up or, you know, it's their turn. You know, I've, I've done my part. And instead of working through, uh, you know, this kind of status quo stagnancy or relational barriers, uh, we don't really apply zeal to carry us through the uh, dry spells. And this is where, uh, to me, Paul's relational wisdom really hits home. We have to be zealous right, in strengthening and keeping up our relationships, especially the ones that are most precious to us. Zealous love won't allow us to just stay still. Zeal reminds us of the commitments once shared and celebrated. Zeal drives us to labor, to work on the cause of, uh, of stagnancy, relational dysfunction. We try to rectify it. Zeal doesn't let us uh, give up. You know, and, and we see this, I mean, you would, I, I think, totally agree with me if I said you need that in the marriage, right? You can't just let a marriage just, you know, be at a standstill. You can't let family dynamics, you know, be uh, uh, kind of uh, not, not, you don't, you, you can't not dedicate yourself uh, to it. But I think it's helpful in the body of Christ as well. Uh, and Paul says that, right? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love in verse 10. Uh, devotion. Uh, belongs in the same breath as zeal, right? devotion, dedication, commitment, uh, no half-heartedness. We, we should give ourselves to each other. We should try and keep trying. And this is when things are going well, but uh, even maybe more so when things aren't. Right? Devotion goes beyond the ordinary, the customary, the routine. It demonstrates a willingness to love when love can feel you know, far off. Um, zeal helps us to, zeal and devotion helps us to experience deeper dimensions of love beyond the rush of emotions or, or the convenience phase or the fun uh, times. I, I think a, a zealous manner can also relate to uh, or could be connected to relational intensity as well. Uh, verse nine again, the second half, Paul says, hate what is evil, right? Cling to what is good. Certainly that's a self examination, but it's also a, 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 a duty. Uh, a responsibility, I think, that you have in those you love, right? Identify, discern what is evil uh, lurking in, in them or in their ways, and then do something about it. Help them through it. Embrace what is uh, godly and, and special and, and, and uh, beautiful in them and help them to kind of like spiritual gifts, fan them more into fuller uh, expression. Help each other become the best 
Christ imitator that we can become. And then the, the kicker is what Paul says that uh, honor one another above yourselves. <laughs> I think that really uh, demands a dose of zeal and, and devotion that is uh, you know, not easy to come by, right? Of course, I can admit that, hey, that guy's better than me at that. She's really good at, you know, she's, she's better. Than, but this is kind of a fundamental uh, humility, right? Uh, I like the word understand, stand under somebody, right? To genuinely un, uh, appreciate that this child of God is uh, someone that I should honor uh, more than me, that the kind of appreciation, the kind of attention that I want to get, that I want to get, that I want to give myself is really uh, do uh, that person, right? But it's not beyond the realm of possibility, right? I think if it was, Paul wouldn't have said it, but he does, and so that's on us now, right? How do we be zealous in our manner, especially in brotherly and sisterly love? You know, we've been talking about habits, and, and I hope that you will look at it in, in that way. Let's start with even the smallest habits, one person at a time one friendship at a time, one relational rift at a time, one commitment to another family at a time. And, and, and let's get into the habit of asking God, right? Uh, how can I love them sincerely? Uh, how can I be devoted um, to them? Um, how can I honor them above myself? What's evil uh, in their lives that I should really kind of pray for and help eradicate what's good. Uh, how can I humble myself? Where are my insincere intentions? Okay, uh, let's move to the second uh, facet, and that it relates to the object or focus uh, of our zeal. Uh, as Paul puts it, uh, he uses the word fervor. Right? Fervor should be directed, uh, our fervor should be directed towards exalted service uh, to the Lord. As aforementioned, uh, there are uh, uh, myriad things that we can be zealous about, right? Just scroll through social media, and it's pretty amazing what people are passionate about. Uh, my favorite one uh, is the uh, Japanese engineer uh, who holds the unofficial world, world record uh, in the recitation of, of the digits of the irrational number pi, you know, 3.14, you know, that, that, that number never ends. So Mr. Akira uh, Haraguchi, um, he can recite 100,000 digits, 100,000 digits from memory. Uh, it took him 16 hours recently, and uh, he took uh, every two hours, he took five-minute breaks, and, and took and ate onigiri, right, which is uh, rice balls to keep up with energy levels. Uh, he's been working on this for decades. Uh, he views the memorization of pi as, quote, the religion of the universe, and as an expression of his lifelong quest for eternal truth. So there's some nobility uh, wrapped into this. Unfortunately, despite his efforts and his detailed documentation, Guinness Book has not uh, acknowledged or legitimized uh, it. So there's many things people can pursue, right? But in verse 10, Paul really locates or focuses on our zeal, right? That zeal has to be in the service of God. That's the highest and best expression of our energies to serve God. He encourages us to never lack zeal in serving God. We do this by maintaining our spiritual fervor. Uh, this means, right, uh, this tells me that um, 
the fact that Paul has to remind us of this means that it's not easy. It's not our natural bent. Um, it takes intensity, commitment, perseverance. We can't rest on past success or accomplishment. No, just as God renews his faithfulness to us right, every morning, right? they're, they're brand new, they're fresh, they're just as strong, they're real. I feel like that's a good way to uh, think about dedicating ourselves daily to God over and over again. Why is that the case? Why is it hard to maintain spiritual zeal in serving God? Uh, you know, I don't think there's any way to answer that definitively. I just was thinking that um, there's there's something real in my mind about the the idea of spiritual entropy. You know, you know what entropy is, right? That everything tends towards decay. That unless um, there's energy that's kind of injected or infused, you know, everything will, will fall. Our world will fall apart. Everything kind of tends in that direction. And and I'm afraid that I think our spiritual uh, lives uh, kind of follow that pattern uh, as well. Yeah, we were born and we've loved and lived our sinful nature for so long. Um, and so even if we have a strong, vibrant Christian life, uh, just left to our own devices, these tend to revert uh, back to our self-centered ways. So we have to constantly inject new life, new strength, right? new experiences, yeah, to counteract uh, spiritual entropy, to avoid uh, deterioration. Um, you know, uh, I think the pandemic has done, uh, has walloped uh, this desire, this energy, this zeal, right? It's really kind of hampered our, our, our intensity. It's weakened us. And it's so hard, right? It's so hard to change back. Even like even though there's, uh, you know, we have vaccines and, and, and we're looking towards, um, you know, reopening, however you want, you want to say, just kind of reinvigorating our Christian life. I feel like, if you're like me, there's this, again, this inertia, like, I almost like it this way. I just don't feel the oomph. I don't feel the fire uh, to, to break out and to be zealous for God um, that much. Uh, this past week, I was reading uh, some excerpts from an interview with the University of Pennsylvania professor Katie Milkman. Uh, she's a co-founder and a co-director of Wharton's Behavior Change for Good Initiative. Her expertise is in studying habit development, right? So we're talking about habits. Uh, here's her, uh, one of her, her quotes. We know from lots of research that people are very resistant in general to making a change. We're comfortable in our ways. Any deviation from what we're used to during uh, used to doing feels like a loss, and losses tend to loom larger than gains. We're likely to escalate. Uh, we are unlikely to escalate commitment to an existing course of action beyond what's rational, because we put too much weight on what economists call sunk costs, costs that are irrecoverable, and that makes us resistant to change. Yeah, I, I like what she said. Like there's. This inertia, this is resistance to change because we are stuck where we are, right? And we've already <laughs> lost a bunch of stuff and we're not going to get it back. And so the additional energy needed to not only move on from those losses, but to, you know, uh, try to create new gains, that's sometimes uh, too high of a barrier. The Christian life, I think, uh, can follow that pattern, that downward 
in the sense that I, I'm already this bad. I'm already, you know, these, these are the kinds of things. I don't have the energy to even like deal with those things. You know, how do you expect me to go, um, you know, beyond that? So zeal, right? L let's really uh, ask God for it. Let's learn it. Let's let's uh, fire it up again, right? Let's not, uh, you know, Marvel Marvel Universe, right? Who who is uh, the uh, the guy who gave Thor the uh, the battle axe because he lost the hammer, right? And he didn't want to, you know, forge anything, and it really took a lot of cajoling from Thor and a lot of uh, building up to, to get him to do that, but he did, right? And uh, that really helped, um, I think, right? in fighting Thanos. Uh, yeah, unless we rev up our zeal and bring passion to bear, the challenging nature of of it will really kind of, I think it, it's we'll we'll always be at zero sum game. That old adage of one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. So we had a some a power through uh, the, this um, resistance. We have to push through the wall, get over the hill. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a few years ago, Mona and I had a chance to go river rafting. It was a it was a rogue river in Oregon. It was, it was, it was pretty tame, and so you know, we thought we could handle it just a two person raft and. We were doing pretty well. Uh, I was doing all of the steering and stuff, you know, with, with an oar, and uh, I wasn't very good at it, right? Even though the the current was not strong, it kept pushing us towards the sides, right, towards the trees and stuff. So I was trying to, you know, get us to keep us in the middle. And what I realized I was doing was my oar was not uh, being dipped into the water very deeply, like in just just maybe the, the fat part, right, the, the 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 bill. I would do that, and what I ended up doing was I ended up spinning us right kind of in the same spot with the current continuing to really uh force us in in a certain place it wasn't until i actually almost put, had to put the oar all the way to the hilt to my hands right that i actually went against the current and i was able to you know kind of control my my direction i would stop spinning around like kind of like a, like like amateurs uh and stuff and i think that that says something about this getting out of, of these doldrums right we have to dig deep we have to you know um put in a lot of effort just to get us started right and then they kind of keep up that zeal uh, i feel like you know when we look at how god ministers to us right? he he is not uh, he practices what he preaches if i can say it that way right there's a lot of passages in the, like half a dozen passages in the old testament which says the zeal of the lord almighty will accomplish this. And it's usually related to something impossible, something miraculous, something like unfathomable. Like he, God declares it and then people are, he expects people to say, what? It's like, what are you talking about? And God says, the zeal of the, or through his prophet, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In the life of Jesus as well, uh, when he tells his inquisitors that he would rebuild the destroyed temple in three days, right? That's like, it's crazy that those that his enemies go you you're you're you're, you're a lunatic uh, but, but the gospel writer john he attributes zeal right for how jesus is approaching this zeal for my house god's house will consume me the word consume uh literally means to eat up like it'll gnaw at him it'll like chomp him up because it's so strong so like even jesus had this kind of feverish zeal about some, some things, even though he was the son of God, it helped, 
right, to accomplish some of God's hardest commandments, maybe, or within the limited time, there was a urgency, a fire to Jesus, right? Even in Jesus' serving of the Lord, he needed fervency. Um, Paul, the inspired writer, he inspires us with his zeal, right? Evident before he met the Lord, a stage of life he refers to as zeal without knowledge. Paul had that personality trait, but he takes service to the Lord to a new level. In terms of dedication, vision, perseverance, he stood head and shoulders above his contemporaries. I, I love this uh, zealous declaration when he faced certain persecution in Acts chapter 20. He says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Um, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of the gospel, uh, to the good news of God's grace, right? And so Paul as well, he is serving the Lord with fervor. He's never lacking in zeal. That's our object. That's what our zeal should be directed to. Uh, as a final point, I want to talk about the person, the zealous person, uh, the zealot. Uh, what is going on in the zealot uh, as they uh, practice uh, this zeal? I was thinking that I, you know, for the message, I would just narrowly, uh, narrowly kind of you know, point us towards um, the heart. I said um, heartfeltness, right? I think zeal really boils down to a matter of the heart. Uh, the zealous person, uh, you know, their heart kind of already uh, pushes them towards something. Uh, their heart is totally into or behind this. Uh, passions are heartfelt. Uh, efforts are not lackluster. There's a confidence, even a pride in what we do. You, you really want to get, see something. You really are so, uh, you know, even mesmerized. Uh, by something. And so you, you don't need this kind of like encouragement. You don't need this reminder. You don't need a sermon just to be zealous about what your heart really wants. So like the heart is like, it cannot be contained. It's ablaze. And, and this drive is kind of almost um, in, unstoppable. So uh, as long as the heart is really, um, you know, uh, devoted in, in this way, you know, when it's when it's invested, when it's um, uh, really into right, uh, what what the uh, object of zealotry is, uh, I, I think there's this kind of like it's a it's beautiful to see. And um, I can certainly uh, pick from draw examples from any number of different fields: academics, sports, politics, philanthropy, research, hedonism, even. I thought they all have uh, you know the, this kind of, uh, of character. Uh, but I had a fun conversation with uh, this past week with uh, Brother Josh Wong uh, about his son, Toby. And if you guys know, Toby's, uh, well, even when he was really little, we saw how agile he was, how active he was. And now that he's like he's six years old now, I think um, his, his, his um, athletic uh, prowess, his skills are, are really kind of uh, being uh, noticed and, and it's, it's apparent. Um, so I think there's like, like three activities which uh, Josh said that uh, when coaches have, have observed or, or watched or, or helped Toby, they've all kind of expressed this, oh, you should really push him into that sport because he's really good. He's got a, a great future. So uh, I think one of them was tennis. Another was skiing, right? 
and then the uh, recent, uh, more recently, I think soccer is kind of these things. And and he's really into <laughs> these sports, and he wants to learn. He wants to play, right? And maybe his interests change, but that 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 passion <laughs> for for uh, sports and competition, I think, it is really evident. Like uh, I think in soccer, he want he he like watched a video on Pele and says, "I want to be the next Pele." And he's only six, but his the coach said uh, he should uh, try out or. He should, try to uh, play with a seven to nine year old soccer class because you know that's his skill level right um, and josh said he saw this kind of uh you know what really convinced him that um toby had a zeal uh for for sports and, and competition was uh, when he was four and a half uh, they were playing in i think uh, one of the school fields and he uh, toby and his friends were riding their bike around the track or the field and they decided to race and they were five of them or so were racing and Toby was in the lead, but he kind of turned too quick and he fell right? he fell on the track or the, or the course and he kind of scraped up the side of his knee pretty badly. Right. And all of his friends passed him and uh, Toby got up, hopped on his bike uh, and raced after them. <laughs> he caught them and he beat them all. Right. So even though he spilled, he, he fell down, he was able to kind of catch up. And then he came to dad and I think he started crying because <laughs> it was painful. Uh, and so, anyway, that's one of Josh's uh, memories uh, of, of Toby. Yeah. It's so, I, I said, it's kind of, you know, beautiful. It's cute. It's, it's, uh, I, I like that, that he has found something and that he is willing to kind of push himself. Because I think Christian life, um, uh, it really, it, it should, you know, evoke that kind of heartfeltness. This is the, the best thing of all, right? And that's why God made us. And there's, there, there's this kind of natural resonance, I feel, that, you know, our hearts and the things of God, the, the people of God, right? That, that should, um, you know, that should vibrate, that should, you know, pulsate, that should really, you know, almost like 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 a, a pot of steaming a kettle like you know this this piercing whistle right should kind of somehow that's how, that should be our aura our atmosphere and our time our effort uh, our zeal and i feel like that's what paul is kind of finishing up with uh, in 12 to 13 i mean there's many ways we can look at it but the things that he kind of lists kind of matter of factly uh, in my mind um these are uh like they're not easy <laughs> be joyful in hope i mean we know how mercurial hope can be like sometimes we're high sometimes we're like discouraged but he says be joyful be at that high almost always patient in affliction i mean that's the hard like what's the hardest thing to do when you're suffering it's like wait it out <laughs> you know like ee, paul seems uh, to, to be demanding too much faithful in prayer i mean yeah, well, we understand that that's the case, but you know, a zealous person, I think, right? uh, they they understand that they they'll pray all night. They'll pray ten years, twenty years, because they know that this is the way God works, right? In answer uh, to prayer, share it with God's people who are in need. You know, sometimes we have to like be reminded. We have to be. We have to see announcements, or we have to hear messages about this, but. I, th I think that you know the zealous person when their heart when there's a heartfeltness towards the needs of others, right, this kind of generosity just kind of overflows. Practic practicing hospitality, like, hey, let's get together. Hey, let's you know spend time. You know, it it's not a chore. It's not a schedule. It's not these kinds of things uh, for the, um, the zealous person because it's heartfelt. Right? Uh, 
Uh, and, and that's the kind of uh, habituation, the kind of regularity, the kind of discipline that I would uh, encourage on us. Of course, the million dollar question is, um, how do we develop this? How can we be of a heartfeltness uh, in all that we do for the Lord? I think if we could package it, if we could formalize it, it'd be, uh, you know, we, we'd be rich if we, if we were able to sell it. Um, you know, I, I think that we just have to start um, slow, like I've been saying, um, and figure out a way you know, to remind ourselves um, to uh, incorporate uh, this. Um, back to Katie Milkman, um, I, uh, she was talking in the, in the latter part of the interview about something called CUE, CUE-based plans, right? Uh, she says that a lot of us have knowledge or desire to change, but we need tools, tactics, uh, frankly, science to point us toward how to overcome these barriers. Uh, and so, like she says, a lot of us have a desire to change or, or you know, gain a new habit, but it's kind of, it remains in the realm of vague intentions. Like, I want to meditate more, right? That's what I want. That's my plan. She says, that's just, you'll never get to it if that's all that you do. Uh, you need a cue-based plan so that there is something which triggers, something which reminds you, something which is regular in your life already, uh, which you can kind of piggyback or attach that. So like she says, if you want to really do this meditation, make it, uh, you know, connect it with 12 noon so that when 12 noon hits your alarm or you're, you're going to go to lunch, you realize, oh, I, I made a concrete plan to do 15 minutes of meditation she says that's a lot more effective a lot more successful than this just kind of you know ambiguous general uh desire right first because there's a memory trigger right and, and our that's how we uh that's how our brains are, are wired how we store information and then there's a concrete commitment you're actually doing something on the spot you know that you had previously uh kind of designed right so it's not just a, an intention in your mind it's a commitment and action um, in your hands. And I think these things that Paul tells us are cueable. <laughs> we can do that. You know, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, sharing with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. You, we can tailor and make it so that at least initially we can get these habits uh, off the ground. We can, we can really uh, tend or trend towards uh, zealousness. Uh, I, 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 am, I know I'm, um, I'm saying this to myself because I find it hard. So I'm not trying to be glib about it, but I'm saying that if we, uh, we can do it, we can uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help us. We can really encourage each other to do it. We can see uh, what God is doing uh, in, in this process. Um, why don't we come to God in prayer? Uh, at this point, uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, have a little bit of reflection thereafter. You can pray some more. Heavenly Father, uh, zeal. Zeal is such a, a great thing when we see uh, people, um, when we see ourselves so uh, emboldened, uh, so free, uh, so uh, curious uh, about many things in the world. But the greatest thing of all is knowing you, is loving you, serving you, worshiping you. Um, loving your people, uh, growing with other people. And for uh, we realize how hard that can be. So we ask that you will help us develop habits. We ask, we ask that you will 
strengthen this, that we'll re recover zeal if we had it, uh, and that we will um, really grow, that we, uh, that we will really be sincere, really be devoted, uh, really be fervent. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.